Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, life coach and certified grief recovery specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited for you to hear this interview today. Welcome to episode 58, Helping Yourself and Your Kids Through Divorce with Jamie Louder. Jamie is a good friend and we were talking one day and she was telling me about how she had helped her boys through some of the difficulties that they've experienced. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you have to come on the podcast and share this with everyone. And I'm so glad she agreed to do it. So let me tell you a little bit about Jamie. Jamie Louder is a single mom to four handsome little boys, and she resides in Pocatello, Idaho. Though life has thrown every twist and turn imaginable her way, she has learned how to navigate through even the toughest of circumstances with joy and enthusiasm. Each trial has made her stronger and more confident in who she is. Jamie is a certified Reiki master, and her mission in life is to help others find the hope and light within to conquer whatever life may bring. All right, let's get started. Where I'm, you're going to learn a little bit how about how she used good self-talk to deal with her losses, and how she helped her boys to navigate. and And you'll hear me say "wow" a lot in this episode. I'm super excited to introduce you to Jamie. Here's the interview. All right, good morning, everyone. I have Jamie Louder here today. Super excited. You just heard her intro, and I'm super excited for her to share with you some of the challenges that she's experienced and some of the ways that she has worked through those. So Jamie, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. So tell us a little bit about what happened. Why are you on a build a life after loss podcast? (laughs) (laughs) That is a great question. So just to kind of give you like a little background on me, I grew up um, in a pretty typical home, I would say, like nothing too crazy. Um, And I went on to get married at the ripe old age of 19. (laughs) So super young. Um, And shortly after getting married, I decided, me and my husband decided that I'd be a stay-at-home mom, um, which I was really excited about. I don't know. That's kind of been my dream, like my whole life. I've just always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And it kind of worked out for us because I we ended up having a lot of kids, right? So it worked out really well. So I had um, four boys. That's quite a bit. Um, but my life was really good. And um, thinking back to that time in my life, I would tell you that like my life was perfect. And I know that sounds very like cliche because obviously we all have our problems, right? We always we all have um, struggles. But I had everything that I'd ever wanted. I had this husband that I completely adored. I always called him like my tall, dark, and handsome because he was so tall and he was dark and handsome. And and he was like my dreamboat. I had this husband that I adored. He was my best friend. And um, I had these four beautiful boys who kept me crazy busy, but they also brought so much purpose and happiness into my life. And everything was just really good until one day it wasn't 
right? It's kind of how these stories go, right? They, mm -hmm. everything's so perfect and then life happens. And for me, this life happening um, happened when my youngest was just six weeks old. So my oldest was six and then I had a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and then a six-week-old baby. And on this particular day, my husband decided to go on a business trip, which wasn't abnormal at the time, uh, but it definitely felt abnormal. Again, I'm sure everybody's kind of had those experiences where this should be normal, but something feels off. And this day definitely felt off. And on this particular day, I remember him giving the boys like a hug and a kiss goodbye. And I remember walking him outside to the car to also give him a hug and a kiss goodbye. And um, as I gave him this hug and a kiss, he turned around to leave. And as he did so, I heard a voice. Mm -hmm. And this voice said to me, you will never kiss your husband again. Wow. And I remember like just my whole body just like freezing, right? And I remember, I remember a lot of thoughts and feelings um, coming into my mind and kind, time kind of just held still for a little bit, but eventually like it kind of snapped back. And I remember thinking, uh, no, it doesn't matter who said that, what, what that was like, it's not true. And so it was kind of like in the movies, like I yelled out my husband's name, right? I'm like, I yelled it out and he slow motion turns around and I run over and I jump into his arms. And I just begged him, I said, please be careful, right? Please be safe and call me when you get there. Um, and he kind of like was like, okay, like my wife's a little overprotective, you know, <laughs> and he, and he put me down and I remember him getting in the car and driving off. And um, I made it to about inside my stairwell, right? So I got about 10 feet into my stairwell and that's when I just collapsed. And I, I started screaming and I started crying and I started yelling at God um, because I just knew that like my husband was was going to die. Right. That was that was the only thing that made sense to me is why would I never kiss my husband again? He must like be dying. And so I was very angry. I was um, very, very angry. I was angry that my four boys were going to lose their dad. I was angry that I was going to lose my best friend, that, you know, my eternal companion, like I was losing it all. And I was very angry. Um, and I sat and cried and screamed for a long time. And I wish I could go on with like the rest of my story and tell you that like he came home, right? Mm -hmm. That he came home and we lived happily ever after. But if that was the case, I wouldn't be on the podcast today. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's not how my story went. Um, but I can tell you that my husband did not die that day mm -hmm. or the next day or the next or ever actually. Um, he's very much still alive, but that was the last day my children and I have ever seen him. That was the day that he chose to abandon me and my four boys. Wow. So how did you learn that it was, that everything had changed. Like you heard this voice, which is an amazing experience. And the fact that, I mean, it must've been so powerful for you to have reacted that way, to have like believed what you heard enough to feel that, right. that panic and that anguish and that anger 
so quickly. Yeah, I, well, kind of leading up to that, I remember him being gone a lot on business trips. And I remember one of the times I called him and I said, this is so funny, but I was like, I think you're going to die. And he was like, what? And he was like, you're crazy. And I said, I don't know why, but I feel so strong that I'm being prepared to be a single mom. And I said, I don't understand this feeling, but I can't shake it. And I said, I cry every night because I just feel Mm. that everything is preparing me to be a single mom. And he kind of just thought I was crazy, um, as probably anybody would, right? So I think because I had been prepared with that, right? Like there wasn't some grand gesture like in the beginning, like the voice, but I felt like God was preparing me from the very beginning of learning how to do things alone, right? How do I do this? How do I do this? And it just really stuck with me. So when I did hear that voice, it was so profound. It was like, I could not, I couldn't shake it. And it was so strong. I feel like it was clearer than I'm speaking to you now. It just, it just shook me to my core. Yeah. So what, so what happened then? Like, what did he call and say, Hey, I'm not coming back or. Yeah. So it kind of, I don't, he didn't exactly like, you know, say he wasn't coming back, but I am, there was some, that some things I found out over the next week, right. Mm. Stories weren't adding up. Um, just kind of like one thing after another, I kind of explain this as like the snowball effect. Right. So if you put a snowball at the top of the mountain um, and and you let it roll, it starts gaining more and more and gets bigger and bigger. I feel like what happened was definitely the snowball effect. I don't necessarily feel like my husband meant to abandon us in the beginning, but the snowball started rolling Mm -hmm. and it got momentum and it got momentum and it got to a place that within a week um, it had gotten to a place that was pretty unstoppable. and. And I think it just got too hard to come back again, like trying to stop this giant snowball, this boulder Mm -hmm. was too much. Mm -hmm. It was too much. So I think oftentimes um, we decide to, to run or become the victims or to just let it go because it's really hard to stand in our truth. It's really hard to own up to our mistakes. It's really hard to do that. It's easier just to let it run and roll down the hill. It is. It is. So tell me what things looked like once you realized that he really wasn't coming back. Yeah. This, oh, this is like the, I think back to this time and it, and honestly makes me cry so much. Um, because there was a lot going on. So like I had mentioned, I had been a stay at home mom. So I had no college education. I had no job. I had no financial way to provide for these four kids. Um, I lived in a town where I really didn't know anyone. I didn't have any family nearby. Um, So obviously there was a lot of financial struggle that hit me, but also there was like the internal struggle. And that one I feel like is a billion times harder than anything. Um, And that internal struggle came to me I always say it came to me in voices and I know that that sounds weird, but um, it came to me from people like my lawyer who was like, you're going to lose your house. You're going to like lose your car. You're going to lose everything you've ever had because you can't do it on your own. 
And it came from voices like from family and friends who, again, I don't think family and friends mean to hurt us, right? Like usually they're trying to be supportive, but oftentimes they're the ones who say the most damaging things. And these family and friends would say things like, oh, Jamie, I'm so sorry, but who's ever going to want you? Oh, wow. Right? Wow. You have four boys. Yeah. Who's ever going to want that? That's too much baggage. Mm-hmm. And and they would tell me, like, nobody will want that, nor should you ever ask anyone to take that on. That's too much. And so I had all of this, like, negativity, all these voices coming at me. I felt like I was drowning. But then I remember the voices in my own head. And those, again, were far worse than anything anyone could say to me. Those voices were the voices that would say, like, how awful of a person must I be? Like, how horrible of a wife and how disgusting of a woman mm-hmm. must I be for my husband to do this? So this part of my story is when I would tell you that it looked like me hitting rock bottom. This is me being in bed all the time and having my cute little six-year-old child, my oldest, having to pour his brother's cereal for breakfast and for lunch and sometimes dinner Mm -hmm. because their mom was too broken to, to do anything herself. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come back from that? Because here you are, this bright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a lot. I wish I wish I could tell you that there was like one thing I did, right? Like one thing that saved me. Um, but when I think back at this time in my life, I feel like this trial was a mountain, right? This was a mountain of a trial, that trial that's so big, that's so impossible to get over. And so just like climbing a mountain, it took steps. Um, and so it took doing things every day over and over to finally get over that mountain. And the first step came to me. It actually came to me one night when I was having a pity party, right? Mm -hmm. Again, I had a lot of those in the beginning, but on this particular night, I remember pinning sad quotes on Pinterest, right? That's probably not very healthy, but I would just crying in bed and I was probably drinking my diet Coke and eating potato chips. And I was looking at sad quotes and just making myself feel even worse. And I remember um, coming across this quote and it was kind of like hearing that voice again, because I read this quote and it just struck me to my core. And it just, I remember just, (gasps) and just time held still. And I, and it was, probably the first step, the first thing that got me out of it. And um, the quote said, it said, I am not what has happened to me. I am what I choose to become. And I thought about that for a long time. And I thought, okay, Jamie, do you really want to be known for like the girl whose husband left her? Or are you more than that? And I thought about it and I thought about it. And I was like, what do you want to become? What do you want to become? And I couldn't really... I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to become. And so I really thought and I prayed and I cried and I might have yelled a little bit then too. There was a lot of anger (laughs) through this time. And I finally came up with, I just wanted to be enough. Mm. I wanted to be enough. I wanted to do a good enough job that my kids wouldn't have to be in counseling their entire lives because of this. (laughs) And I wanted to make enough money that I could financially provide for my children. And 
I just wanted to feel pretty enough that I didn't hate the person I saw in the mirror anymore. Like I just wanted to be enough. And so I started saying the words, I am enough. And I started saying that over and over and over again, like thousands of times a day. And I know that sounds like a lot and it sounds like, oh, she's exaggerating. But again, like when you're in survivor mode and you're drowning, I feel like, I feel like you just literally can't comprehend anything. Like your mind just cannot take it in. And so I, I don't remember driving my kids to school, but I know that they, I know that I did. Right. I know, I don't remember feeding them, but I know that we did. It was like, I was an autopilot. And the only thing that I could think of were those three words. I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. And so I did that over and over and over again. And then eventually after like a week or two, I was like, okay, I can now say another affirmation because that was easy. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I still didn't believe it, but it became easier. And so then I started adding in all of these like positive thoughts. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. You know, and I, and I love that you uh, allowed yourself to feel what you were feeling. Because, you know, I look back, I, I, I went through a divorce um, many years ago and, and I tell this story about like how I used to come home at night and my, my kids were one, four and six at the time. And I would come home from work and, you know, pick up my kids and we would do the dinner thing and all of that. And I would put them to bed and then I would lay on the floor back in the day of the big speakers and lay on the floor in front of the stereo in between the two big speakers and play sad music and just cry and just cry yeah. and cry and cry. And at the time I thought I was really pathetic, <laughs> but looking back, I can see how beneficial that was for me to, to feel what I was feeling and to get those emotions moving and yeah. not swallow them down. I love that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you kind of went on this journey of affirmations. What did it look like with your kids? Like how did, how did that all work out for you? Yeah. So I, I learned really quickly that like these affirmations were working. So like kind of a funny story. Um, I remember going on a date with this guy. Okay. And on this date, he like reached over and he was like, Jamie, you're so beautiful. And without even thinking and without even hesitating and without even batting an eye, I replied, I know. And, he, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, did you hear me? And, and he kind of laughed and he's like, yeah, I conceded or what? You know, he was joking. And I'll be honest, I started bawling on this date. I started crying and I said, no. I said, I know that I'm beautiful. And um, I remember coming home from the date. I don't remember the rest of the the date, obviously it didn't work out. Right. <laughs> um, but I remember coming home and I was like, I had just witnessed that my affirmations were working. Mm. I had just witnessed that I was literally changing like my mindset. I was literally changing my world by what I was feeding myself. And the thought had come to me. It was like, it is easier to build up a child than it is to repair an adult. And I thought, yeah, if this is working for me, it's going to work for my kids. And so immediately I came home and I became obsessed with affirmations and I put them up in the mirror for my kids. And so every day, even today, so this has been four and a half years, my kids stand in front of the mirror and they say things like, 
today I will be taught, educated, and empowered by my teachers and my family. You know, they say things like, my brothers are my best friends. Like, I love them. And they say things like, I love my mom. And that's, I'm a little bit brainwashing them to love me, and it's okay. <laughs> um, and so I started implementing it that way. And I noticed also anytime it was just like such a negative time in our life. And I remember anytime my son would be like, oh, I'm so stupid, you know, or I'm this. And I, it immediately just triggered my heart. And so I started being like, nope, go read your affirmations. And I made it like an affirmation jar with popsicle sticks. Uh-huh. And if they said something negative, they had to go pull a popsicle stick. And it said, you know, I am smart or I am loved. And um, so we started doing that. Another thing that I found with my kids was gratitude journals that was it was honestly like a changing point in my children's attitude because again like when I say that their dad abandoned them like they have not seen talked to heard from like it's just complete nothing and so I felt like we were always so sad and we were so we were just sad there's really no way to say it other than that and so I remember one day thinking we got to be happy, right? These affirmations are working, but we need more. And so the thought was, okay, do gratitude journals. And so I I got these like cheap little notebooks from the dollar store. And every night we started sitting down and writing things we were grateful for. And I made him write five things. And I'll be honest, my, my third son, he's now seven. Almost every day for the last like four years, he has said that he's grateful for the poop emoji right? Like that is his, (laughs) he loves that emoji. And it's funny. And I laugh about it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, like, I wish you were grateful for something else. But the truth is, is like, it doesn't really matter what they're grateful for. It's they're learning that muscle of gratitude, Mm -hmm. right? We all have this muscle that we use this muscle. um, But he's learning to strengthen it, even if it's over something silly. Um, we're learning that. And I have found that as we've implemented that gratitude into our lives, that has been a huge game changer as well. Yeah. You know, that's one of the, the, one of the reasons we, we talked about this before, but one of the reasons that I really, really wanted to interview you is not only are you just this fantastic person that has, <laughs> has gone through difficult things and has found a way to, to create a wonderful life, but uh, that you, the way you have handled things with your boys is impressive. It's really Thank impressive. You. Yeah. Thank you. I do have, I do have really good boys though. Also, yeah. not that other people don't, but I do feel very blessed. I remember. Um, so in the very, very beginning, I remember having this very overwhelming feeling like these boys need to know it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. Right? They need to know that this is not them. And so I put a lot of thought into it and I was like, okay, we're going to do a family night. So I did this family night with my kids and we talked about Adam and Eve, right? Mm-hmm. We, I had like a little like children's Bible and in it, you know, we talked about how we all have this gift of choice and how they chose to take the fruit and, and how we actually don't have the gift of consequences though, right? We don't get to choose what consequences we get, but we do get this gift of choice. and. And we had this really good like conversation and, and um, talk about it. And at the very end, I remember going and asking all my kids, I said, okay, I said, so now I have a question. And they said, okay. 
And I said, did daddy leave because of Christian? So Christian's my oldest son. Mm -hmm. And they all kind of like looked at me and they were like, well, no. And I was like, you're right. Daddy didn't leave because of Christian. Daddy left because he had the gift of choice. You know, and then I went to the next kid and I said, well, did daddy leave because of Brock? And they all were like, well, no, you know, daddy left because he had the gift of choice. And we, and I went through all four kids and every time the answer was no, daddy left because he had the gift of choice. And I remember like feeling really successful and really like empowered, like, yeah, we did it. And I was like, okay, let's, let's change subjects. Like let's sing a song or something. And immediately my oldest, he's six and he was like, mommy, mommy. And I was like, what? And he was like, He's like, daddy didn't leave because of you either. And he said, daddy left because he had the gift of choice and he chose wrong. So I just feel like, I feel like my kids, they get it. And I think all kids do. Does that make sense? I feel like they're more in tune than we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. And I think as we have these healthy conversations, right? I don't need to air out the dirty laundry and I don't need to, to say these negative things about their dad um, because that is, that's not what they need. Cause at the end of the day, they're half their dad. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I sit there and I say all these negative things, well, your dad did this and your dad did this, then that's putting that negativity on them thinking, well, I'm half him. So I'm half bad. I'm half these things. And so I never, I try never to do that. But as we do have these healthy conversations of, Hey, you know, people are good, but sometimes they make bad choices. And again, this snowball effect. And if you keep making bad choices, it gets really hard to stop. It gets really hard. And then it, and then this is kind of what happens. And so I had just felt from the very beginning that I needed, I needed to have my kids involved. I needed to not necessarily sugarcoat it, but also not like, again, air out all the bad. Yeah meet them on their level. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I can, I really appreciate what you're sharing because when I went through my divorce, I, I did not handle it as well. Like you were very, very inspired. You know, my attitude at the time was we just power through and we act like nothing's happened. <laughs> and, you know, there's the, the, the proverbial elephant in the room that never gets talked about. It never gets discussed really. And you, you made a decision, you know, an inspired decision to, to have the conversations. Yeah. To, to proactively have the conversations and to, to create an atmosphere for the boys to um, have understanding at their level. Yeah. That's awesome. But that's not the end of your story. I know. It it would be nice if it was though, huh? And yeah. she was happily ever after. Right. Um, no, that is not the end. Um, about two and a half years of being a single mom. So after two and a half years after my um husband left, I met and married again. And um I I remember I sold my house and I sold that car that like I'd worked so hard to pay off and and I uprooted my little family and I moved um just to a different town and I got married and we we were supposed to start like our happily ever after, right? Like that's how this works is you you start your happily ever after. Um but again, as as you said, that's not where my story ends. 
just three months into that marriage, um, that husband came to me and he actually said that he didn't love me anymore and that he didn't want my children. Mm. And so we had like, we were kind of placed in the same position that we had been in three years earlier where like, again, I had no job. I had gotten rid of, I had quit that job. I had no college education. And at this point now I had nowhere to go. I had this new husband that was kicking us out and we had no, nowhere to go and no family nearby. And so this, I'd actually say this was probably harder than the Mm -hmm. first, than the first one. Um, I definitely learned a lot, but it was definitely harder. And I think it was actually harder on my children as well. Right. When their first dad left, um, they were so young and, um, and it was really my oldest who had all the memories, but with this one, like, for example, with my baby, my baby was three. This was the only dad he ever knew, even though it was only like a, like we were only married for a few months. It was the only dad he ever knew. And now this dad didn't want him, you know? And so I remember kind of going into that conversation. I, I had felt again, very inspired that like they need, they need to know and they need to, to not necessarily be like protected, but like you said, I really like how you said that meet at their level. And, um, I, with, with my first husband, they never got to say goodbye, right? They never, they never got to say anything. Um, and so with this one, it was very important for me that we had this sit down conversation where we all sat down and we're like, Hey, this is what's going on. And so, um, my second husband was in the room and he sat down and I let him take the lead and I said, okay, tell the kids, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want us to tell the kids. And, and he did. And, um, and immediately, um, my two middle children just cried and cried and, and I start crying, you know, it was kind of like this, this really sad ordeal, but I remember my oldest not doing anything. All he did was stand up and sit right next to me. And immediately as he stood up, his brother stood up and they just kind of created this like barrier around me, like this protection. Um, but he didn't cry and he didn't, he didn't, he didn't really do anything. He just, mm-hmm. it was just blank. And I remember just feeling so deep inside of me, like he has to feel something like he can't bury it. And I just, that feeling just kept coming. He can't bury this because if he buries it, like, I don't know. I I just knew that he couldn't do that. And so I sat there and I talked to my other kids and I said, why are you crying? You know? And, and they said, well, I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm going to lose my house. I'm sad. I'm losing my family. And, and then I talked to my oldest and I said, why are you crying? I mean, like, what are you feeling? And he was like, nothing. And I said, no, baby. I said, what are you feeling? And he was like, nothing. And I remember it was kind of, it was kind of an amazing conversation because I don't know where it came from. Well, I do, but the words definitely weren't mine. And I remember telling him and I said, if there is a part of you that is sad, I said, your mom's heart is broken. Like it is so broken. I never wanted this. I never wanted to put you guys through this. And I said, but if there's a part of you that's happy, I said, this was a really toxic environment and a toxic situation. And so there's a part of mommy that's also happy to get out. Mm. And I said, but if you're, if there's a part of you that's angry, I said, let's be honest, mom's pissed, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. I was like, that's okay too. And, and as soon as I, I gave him like the, like charge, right? I gave him like the steering wheel of whatever you're feeling is exactly how you should be feeling. 
he immediately like broke down and he was just filled with so much emotion. And he goes, and, and I could just see it. And I said, baby, what are you feeling? And he said, mommy, I am angry. Mm-hmm. And I said, why are you angry, baby? And he goes, I am angry that people don't love my mom. Oh, wow. Mm. And, said, and I am angry that I don't have a dad again. Mm. And it was just a really tender, really hard conversation. But I'll tell you that like having those conversations has just led to such a healthy environment for me and my kids. Again, like I, the words that came out of me next were just so, I know where they came from, but they definitely weren't mine. And they, and I remember telling my kids and I said, you need to know that you're going to be good dads. Mm. You need to know. And I said, not because you've had good dads, but because you've had bad ones. And you know what, like a good dad doesn't do. Right. And then I remember telling them and I said, and you need to know that not all dads leave. The good ones stay. Mm. And it was just such a, again, such a tender, emotional time. But I feel like that conversation, allowing my children to feel it, allowing them to not to not like sugarcoat it for them, allowed us to get through it faster, allowed them to come to me and be like, Mom, I'm angry today. And I was like, you know what? Me too. Let's talk about it. You know what, mom? Today I'm really sad. You know what? Mom's sad a lot too. This isn't what mommy wanted. This isn't what I envisioned for my life and for yours. And so it just created such a good foundation that even now with other things, right? Like, so that was a year and a half ago. But with conversations with friends, hey, mom, this is what my friends are doing. You know, it just created the foundation for a very healthy relationship with my kids. Yeah, that's amazing. I I just I love that so much because and, and one of the reasons I felt like your story was so important it's important on so many different levels but but this uh, this interaction that you've had with your your kids is just so important is because I didn't do it right. I mean, I'm just going to be straight up. I didn't do it right, you know. Um luckily I have a beautiful relationship with my children. And I'm grateful for that because I've learned as I've matured, but when they were young and we were going through difficult things, I was so consumed with my own, my own grief and my own sadness that I didn't have the wherewithal to really, to lead them through there like that. And, and I, I love the thing, you know, one of the things that you brought up was the conflicting emotions that we have. You know, that, that we can feel happy about something ending and at the same time be angry or sad or, you know, that these conflicting emotions, that's so common and that's really what it, it is. There's, there are conflicting emotions involved with grief. And I also love that you took the lead. So you weren't afraid to express your emotions, not in a not in a way that you were blaming anybody or you were um, you were bringing up things that might be too difficult for kids to hear or understand, but in a way that like, yeah, I'm sad too. Like you took the lead, like with your oldest son, you were, you were saying, you know, I'm feeling this and I'm feeling this and, and maybe you're feeling this and maybe you're, and you took the lead. You were the example of being able to share your, your emotions and you've created 
an environment where your kids feel comfortable and like it's normal to say, hey, I'm upset about something that happened at school today or I'm and I, I, and I actually kind of want to go back to your popsicle stick affirmation. Yeah. I, I think we all need that. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I, it sits right by my TV and every morning we do like one as a family, right? So every morning we have like our little morning routine and that's like our, you know, today it's like, I am, I don't know, enough. And then uh-huh. we all say it together. And then if they're like being really naughty, this is funny, but like, I'll be like, go pull 10 affirmations. <laughs> And they have to go pull 10 like pop school affirmations. And, but it, it just, I feel like it's, it's coming back to that, implementing that higher vibration, that positivity, because we live in such a low negative world that if mm-hmm. you can just do one little thing, like saying, I am smart, like that is just a higher vibration. And it's just going to like help, help neutralize all of that negativity. So yeah, I love the yeah. pop, the popsicle affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes we can be a little quick to go from grief to, you know, I'm I'm just gonna be positive, but I but I, I feel like in your story you you allowed yourself all the emotions and you saw the need to input the the higher vibration emotions like you like you said. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So what other things, are there other things that you learned during this experience that you would like to share with us? So many things. I think back about this time in my life and I just, I have this picture in my, in my hallway and it's like my first family photo as a single mom. Right. And it's when my first husband left and we all just look so sad right? Our posture's so hungover and it's just such a dark, sad picture, right? We all have smiles, but they're so fake. Um, It's just, there's so much sadness. And then I have this picture right next to it in my hallway that is again, my first family photo as a single mom because it's my family photo after my second husband. And there's so much light and there's so much happiness and we're all embracing and we're laughing And I love putting them next to each other because I think both of these women and both of these families are going through the same thing, right? Both of them have just lost a husband. They just lost this eternal companion. They just lost every hope and dream that they had. And both of these sets of boys lost their dad. They're going through abandonment. But I look at them and there's such a difference. And and so what I would tell you that I learned is just how to fortify how mm-hmm. every day, every day you have to choose to do something, right? You have to choose to get out of bed. You have to choose to think positively, to be grateful. And some days I always tell people, I'm always like, if you have to stay in bed that day, then that's okay too. That That's okay. Cause sometimes I just need to feel sad. It's been four and a half years. And some days I just want to still stay in bed because I'm still sad. And that's okay too, because I don't live there, right? I feel it, but I never live there. I don't unpack. Um, And so I just love keeping those pictures up to remind me of how far we've come and how how doing those affirmations and gratitudes and positivity and, and all of these things, it doesn't take that mountain away, right? It didn't make my second marriage amazing. Mm-hmm. It didn't keep my second husband from leaving us. Um, 
but what it did is it strengthened us. It, it gave us clarity through that storm, right? It gave us the capacity to climb that mountain and at like an unfathomable speed, it just fortified us. Mm. Yeah. So I feel like that's, that's how life is. I mean, again, my story doesn't end here, right? I'm sure that there's going to be something else. I'm still a single mom of four boys. Um, but every day my children and I choose to armor up and we choose to fortify and in doing so, I know that we'll be able to, to face whatever it is that, that comes our way, right? Even if it's climbing a mountain and to find out it's a foothill to an even bigger mountain, um, I know that we can do that because we have those tools. You've built hope. You've built hope mm-hmm. in, your, in your story and resilience and amazing strength. And I, I, I just, I, I love what you said about, you know, you're you're really intentional you're really intentional you're 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 allowing yourself to feel what you feel but you're intentional about fortification mm-hmm. and i i think that's you know every day we have a choice this is exactly right and i i was just thinking this morning it's sometimes when when bad things happen we either go into victim mode where we're like well of course my life is horrible because this, this, and this happened and I'm, you know, broken and I can never, I can never be what I wanted to be. Or we go into power through and just, mm-hmm. you know, like, yep, that happened, but I'm just going to avoid it and I'm just going to power through <laughs> and act like it never happened. And, and what you are talking about is that sweet spot where we, where we accept what's happened. We don't deny it. We don't bury it. We accept it and we feel what we need to feel, but then we, we create that hope and that resilience and that strength to, to fortify and move forward. So I love it. All awesome. Thank you. Any other things that you would like to share with our listeners today? Yeah. So the one more thought that keeps coming to my mind, because so my my dad recently passed away about two and a half years ago. And I remember um, kind of working with my mom on this. And and we had this conversation because she was like, man, like the first year was so hard. And and she and we just finished up the second year. Right. And she goes, Jamie, why do you think the second year was even harder? Mm-hmm. And and we talked about it. And and I remember telling my mom and I said, you know, I think it's because we learn how to survive, right? The first year you learn how to survive without your husband. And I said, but the second year you start learning how to live without your husband. And I feel like that's the real, the real struggle and the real change is learning how to live without them. Um, and so my thought there is just, it takes time, but it is possible. And there is happiness and there is joy. and and there is brighter days, but I do think you have to kind of go through that survival, that survivor um, mentality. And then as you get through that, then you can start thriving and then you can start living again. Mm, that's perfectly said. Thank you. So where can, where can people find you? Yeah, so I am on, on the social media platforms, right? So Facebook um, with Facebook at uh, Reiki with Jamie. I'm on Instagram with um, Reiki.Jamie. 
Jamie is spelled J-A-M-I, no E. My mom made me a little different that way. Um, but also I have a website and that is um, www.reiki, so R-E-I-K-I with Jamie, J-A-M-I dot com. And then um, my email is reiki, R-E-I-K-I dot Jamie at gmail.com as well. So pretty much anything Reiki and Jamie, it'll come to me. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your, your light with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I sure appreciated this. This is amazing. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Jamie is remarkable and it's really fun to hear from her. The links that she talked about at the end of her interview will be in the show notes. Now's the time to subscribe to the podcast so you get every episode and leave us a review. I love hearing from you. As a grief coach, I can lead you around the landmines and help you to stay on the path of hope and healing. Schedule your free discovery session today at buildalifeafterloss.com. Remember, I believe in you. Love you. Bye. Bye.